morning. Happy Tuesday and welcome to the Hometown Hour Radio Show, your hour of all things Mooresville. And Becca, I cannot believe that it is November and it is almost 80 degrees outside. I know. I'm wearing sandals today. That is insanity. I cannot get behind this false fall that we've been experiencing and now we're back to summer and then it's probably going to be false fall again. I am quite ready for it to be snuggly weather. Same, but I don't want it to be too snuggly. That is fair. I'm not ready for winter yet. I want to enjoy, you know, like a scarf and a sweater and a pumpkin spice latte for a little bit longer. Just slightly longer. (laughs) So that wonderful voice that you are listening to joining me today is Becca Black, Community Development Planner. And of course, I'm Megan Suber, Director of Communications and Marketing for the town of Morrisville. And like we do with all our shows, Becca, we're going to start out with one good thing. Clearly, it's not the temperatures in our minds (laughs) right now. Um, But one good thing for me is we had our Citizens Academy graduation last night at our Board of Commissioners meeting. And that was a great affair. Um, That program, in case you're not aware, it is an eight-week program that runs every fall and it is open to residents within the town of Mooresville. So you have to live within town corporate limits. Um, And that's just because of the way it is funded. It is funded by town tax dollars. So we want to make sure it's fair and equitable. But these individuals dedicate eight weeks Um, They come once a week for three hours a week and learn about town departments, whether that is our fire department, whether it's finance, whether it is the streets or sanitation or water treatment, wastewater treatment, which is always a really fun one, police department, um, planning department, all of the wonderful things that the town does. And um, they always come away learning things Mm -hmm. about the town and being more informed citizens and advocates. And that's what we want. Absolutely. Um, This year, we had an individual who just went above and beyond in what he had to say about the Citizens Academy. Um, New individual to the town, has only been here less than a year, and said that the Academy helped him feel so invested and proud in this town that he is just now calling home. And he feels like he understands so much more about not only how Mooresville works, but also how any government works more than he has understood from any place that he's lived. Wow. And he was really excited to become more of a part of the town, whether that is as a citizen through one of our citizen advisory committees, whether that is as a town employee. He just had so many good things to say. So we got to celebrate all the graduates um, last night at the board meeting, and it was a really great time and looking forward to next year's academy. That is awesome. I mean, we do so many good citizen academies with police, with fire. I mean, I mean, Mooresville really reaches out to their citizens. Absolutely. And fantastic. And if you're interested in the Police and Fire Citizens Academy, what Be- Becca just mentioned, those occur during the spring. And you can find out more information about all three That's academies, right. mooresvilleandc.gov. Absolutely. Well, Becca, what's your one good thing? Oh, goodness. My one good thing. Speaking of the board meeting last night, yes. the board meeting uh, passed a resolution for an ad hoc working group to really deep dive and explore the need for affordable housing in the town of Mooresville, which is very exciting. That so is. So it's going to be a group comprised of nonprofit partners, um, the Community Development Advisory Committee members, members of the business community, things of that nature, to really take a deep dive and look into what truly is the need and how can we meet those needs. So that's really exciting. I think it's going to be a really good thing. Absolutely. And I know I sat through the um, presentation at Friday's agenda briefing Mm -hmm. about um, 
the need for this committee. And we can deep dive into that in, in just a minute. Um, but I want to talk about you for a minute. Oh, how exciting. Yes. Um, so how did you get into planning? Uh, a pure coincidence. Genuine coincidence. Isn't it funny how that happens? I know, right? So what's your background? My So I have a bachelor's degree in sociology and public relations. I started out my career in the nonprofit sector doing marketing, PR, and then transitioned into fundraising. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're doing fundraising, you're supposed to know the who's who of the community that you're fundraising in and stuff. Oh, yes. Which is how, yes, which is how I first kind of got introduced into local government Mm -hmm. and decided that that was kind of the next step for me. I wanted to get involved, um, but I had no experience in it. And so I decided I needed to get my MPA or my master's in public administration and and all of that good stuff. But on a nonprofit salary, you don't make enough to... uh, to be able to do all of that. So, you know, that is yeah. widely true. Yes. And so I, uh, there was a council of governments out in Catawba County and I applied mm-hmm. for an administrative assistant position because I thought, well, it's a foot in the door opportunity. Absolutely. I can get, you know, I can start learning about it and maybe transition. And I, I'm just extremely fortunate that they took a shot on me. They said, we don't think you're a good fit for the administrative assistant position, but we've got this planner position open. Would you interview for it? And I said, what's, what's a planner? What's is that some is that somebody that writes things yeah, down in exactly. a date book? Like I don't I don't know what that is. Um and they took a chance on me. They gave me the planner position, they offered it to me and you know, I learned what planning was, fell in love with it. And then the town of Mooresville was hiring for a zoning administrator and so they were fortunate I was very fortunate to receive that position and then Two-ish years ago, um when our former planning director came along, he learned about my background and my desire to get back into Helping people and community development, that was really where my passion lied. And the person who was doing this before me was getting ready to retire. And so I was really fortunate that Danny Wilson, shout out, um, created this community development planner position for me. And the board was supportive. And and now we have a designated person to affordable housing and community development. The person before me did it part-time. So Absolutely. So it sounds like your specific area is growing, but your area, which is community development, mm-hmm. mostly, um, that falls into a bigger department. So let's step back for a second and talk about planning department. Yes. Planning and community development department, yes. if we want to yes, use yes. the full pedigree name. Yes, exactly. I talk about how we have two different ends of the ampersand. You know, the ampersand is like the and mm-hmm. sign. You've got like the planning that has their stuff, and then you have the community development side, which I think is the more fun side, personally. You know, you're not biased. <laughs> not at all. Um, but yeah, so we do really kind of have two, two I guess, sub-departments, if you will, I sure. guess you could say. Sure, no, so we have the planning side, the plan review side, and that's actually expanding and changing very rapidly. So we have four planners, mm-hmm. five planners, excuse me, five planners who do plan review, and each of them kind of specializes in a different area. Sure. For example, I think recently you had David Cole on. Yes, maybe? we did yes. have David on. Yes. And he, Will Washam as well. Yes, yes. So Will handles transportation. David handles downtown and historical preser- historic preservation. Um, you've got Krista Jordan, who's our resident tree expert. They all kind of have their little oh, specialties. Man. Krista will tell you everything there is about trees and um, like wildflowers too. Yes, it's amazing. I like I showed her a picture of a flower I planted recently and she was like, Oh yeah, that's a blah 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 blah. It's, it's pretty crazy. It is, it is. So you have all those areas, but you also under your 
specific purvey, your side of the ampersand, ampersand, we also have co-compliance as yes. well, which we'll get into in a little bit. I know we don't have time in this segment, um, but let's close out. What is one thing that you love about working for the town of Mooresville doing community development? For the first time in my career, I'm working for an organization that, number one, I have the support to do what I want to do from the elected officials and from the people behind me. And two, um, we've got the funding to do some really, really awesome things. Awesome. So I feel like I can actually make a difference. Absolutely. And I know the decision last night is going to allow you to make more of a difference in the community. So we'll chat more about that in our upcoming segment. Stay Fantastic. tuned, everybody. Welcome back to the Hometown Hour. I am Megan Suber, Director of Communications and Marketing with the Town of Mooresville, and I have with me today Becca Blyke, our Community Development Planner. Welcome, Becca. Welcome back Thank to all our you. listeners. Um, so glad you're tuning in today. We are talking about community development and all of that. The wonderful things that go on with ensuring that our community is a enjoyable place, a safe place with lots of amenities, and an affordable place. Absolutely. For people to live, work, and play. And so one thing that our board passed last night, which you mentioned as your one good thing, was a resolution to start a working group to look more into affordable housing and how we can make that a reality in Mooresville. Because housing is just crazy no matter where you are. Yes. Yes. It really is. And I know in the presentation, and I'm going to get the numbers wrong, so feel free to jump in. Um, <laughs> the presentation that we saw before the board meeting at the agenda briefing um, done by the... Community Foundations. Community Foundations mm -hmm. um, made mention of the fact that you would have to have a salary of $80,000 plus, plus yeah. mm -hmm. to afford rent in the Mooresville area as yes. things currently stand. Yes. And... If you look at uh, a lot of our public servants, our teachers, our police officers, our firefighters, salary ranges may hit that 80 point, but particularly with our police officers and our firefighters, we can't, I can't necessarily speak to the teachers because um, Town of Mooresville does not run schools. Yes, exactly. <laughs> thankful, thankfully. Right. Um, right. But with our, our police officers and our firefighters, that 80 is at the top of the range. Yes. So your new hire officer that comes in is going to be at the bottom of the range, which is currently stands as approximately like 51, mm -hmm. I think. So they would not, a new officer coming into our community would not necessarily be able to afford rental housing mm -hmm. in the Mooresville area unless there was a significant additional income for that family household. Oh, absolutely. And something that we see a lot and a big issue that we have in Mooresville is, you know, there's a certain income cap that HUD puts on getting assist federal assistance. Mm -hmm. So for, to take a police officer, for example, they make too much money to receive federal assistance, but they still can't afford to live within the town of Mooresville. On that salary. Exactly. Which is, which is kind of counterintuitive for what you want as a community mm -hmm. because you want your police officers to live in town. You want them to be um, members of the community that, that, that they serve. The same thing with your fire department as well. Mm -hmm. You want your firefighters to be invested in the community where they are saving lives and answering calls every day. You want your teachers 
to be able to um, interact with their community and not once they're done with the school day or school week, check out, go home an hour away and not come back for community events, whether that's like a football game, a fall fest, a dance, any of those things, Mm -hmm. or even, hey, let's just attend one of your students' uh, Saturday softball games make an appearance there. Mm-hmm. You know, we we do have some dedicated educators out there that will happily make that drive to come back. Yeah. But the majority may not. Mm-hmm. And particularly if they live so far away and aren't able to be invested in the community that they serve. Exactly. And there are schools and fire stations and police stations everywhere. And so, you know, there's that draw that they could get a job somewhere else closer to home because let's be honest, gas is expensive. Gas is expensive. And having made a significant drive multiple times in my career, it's not fun. No. It gets old really fast. Really, really fast. Yeah, I recently um, had a commute of about 45 minutes, and it was, uh, yeah, no, it's not fun. And we, we don't want that for our workforce. No. We do not. But I do want to clarify, when I say federal assistance here, I think that's kind of a buzzword that people don't entirely understand what that means. So when we talk about HUD assistance, we talk about federal assistance, all that good stuff. I think people think a lot about like public housing Mm -hmm. and all that good stuff. That doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. The the things that we may have known back in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Exactly. The big blocks of houses, housing units and apartment units. That does not not exist anymore. Not a thing. At all. And so when we talk about federal assistance, the town receives money from HUD to purchase land for affordable housing, develop affordable housing, all of this good stuff. And all that means is that the people that live in these units cannot make over a certain income amount. So it's not that these people are receiving subsidies or, you know, all of this good stuff. Sure. Like it's just people who meet it's who meet a certain it's income based housing, essentially, which is not what people think of a lot, I think, when you think of HUD. It's it's not, you know, massive apartment complexes and, you know, all of that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's a way that we can ensure that our, you know, teachers, teachers' aides, um, restaurant workers, hospital workers, all of that good stuff absolutely can afford to live in Mooresville. Absolutely. And, and you know, there are a lot of different ways to go about this. First and foremost, we can't fix the salary problem. No. Not any no, single can't. entity can go in and across the board wave a magic wand and make that happened to raise everyone up to the minimum for their community to mm-hmm. to afford housing. Um, how do we close that gap, though? Do we provide additional assistance? Do we um, invest in development of housing that is at a price point that these individuals can um, afford? What do we do? It's a great question. And I think that's what a lot of the working group is going to be working on. And we do have a citizen advisory committee, the Community Development Advisory Committee, Mm -hmm. that also makes recommendations to the town board about how we should be investing in community development. Um, But currently, the town is really focusing on homeownership. And what can we do to allow people to be able to build generational wealth and all of that good stuff. And so we've invested a lot in critical home repair, mm-hmm. investing in the existing housing stock that we already have because we're not going to be able to build our way out of this problem. Absolutely. We're not. So first and foremost, we're investing a lot in critical home repair. And two, we are just trying to figure out ways to entice developers to build units that are at an affordable price point. So our zoning ordinance has incentives for Mm -hmm. developers, whether it be they get more units or they get more height 
or whatever, whatever we can do to entice them to designate a certain number of units for affordability. We do also offer an option for a fee in lieu for developers. So if they don't develop if they don't designate the units, they can pay us a fee and that money goes into our community development pot and helps us develop more affordable housing. Um, we are also having a very strong conversation about what do we do with non-federal dollars? How can we pony up general fund money to help those people who are above the federal limit but still can't afford to live here? And so that's the big discussion. And, and we we're talking a lot about down payment assistance. Oh, of, okay, huge. so maybe you can afford a more expensive house, but you don't have $60,000 sitting in the bank for that down payment. Um, so we're just trying to figure out any way that we can to help people get in homes, but also not forgetting that rentals are, there is a, they are a necessary type of housing. They are, they are. And, and that, and not to discredit or disqualify or uh, throw any shade on any individuals who choose to rent because Perhaps that is um, conducive to your lifestyle. Perhaps that is conducive mm -hmm. to um, your current work situation. Mm -hmm. And that is totally fine. But back to your point about down payment assistance, there are individuals that are renting that want to own a home. Oh, absolutely. And that down payment is a huge barrier to it, not not in the least with mortgage rates and everything else. Oh, goodness, yeah. But the, the down payment is a, is a huge amount. And I know um, as a young person... Um, I was fortunate enough to have a um, grandparents that had great insight and um, mom and dad that had great insight and helped put away some money for me for down payment mm -hmm. for a home. And at the time, I didn't understand what yeah. that meant. I was like, well, there's this X amount of money sitting out there. Why can't I do X, Y, Z with it? Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, you need this. We're going to save it. This is what you need it for. And then when I went to buy a home um, 10 plus years ago, I was so thankful to have that because yes. we would not have been able to accommodate um, that down payment mm -hmm. and attain the home that we have now, which is so much increased in value because you know yeah. how the market is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and one issue we're seeing a lot of is the rates of rentals of rent is increasing so dramatically that we're pricing people out. And then any money that they could be saving for a down payment, for a mortgage, whatever... They now don't have because we're our rates are increasing by tens of percents every year. Absolutely, I'm just looking at the rental market now for um, for discussions like this, seeing the prices versus when I was renting more than ten years ago. It's just jaw dropping. I'm not sure how anyone can afford it. Oh yeah, we have studio apartments going for twelve hundred dollars a month, and this is not a problem that's just unique to Morris. Oh, absolutely not. Um, it's everywhere. It is it is everywhere, particularly in the Lake Norman area, which is so mm. growing, in the metro area, Charlotte metro area. But everywhere is seeing this crisis. So I think it is great that the town is um, taking some initiative, uh, trying to see what works for our community, because what works for Mooresville may not work for Cornelius, may not work for Charlotte, may not work for Harmony up north exactly. in Iredale County. Exactly. And that's one of the struggles that we have with that federal assistance that we've been talking about is it's based on county. Mm -hmm. All these income limits and, and numbers and stuff are based by county. And Mooresville is very different from Statesville, which is very different from Harmony, which is different from Troutman. And so it, it's very difficult to have that one number that magic number. And that's something, sure. that, you know, that Mooresville struggles with truly is, you know, these income limits are based on Iredell County, which is very different 
It is. It is. And if we have any listeners that live outside of Iredale County, just imagine going from pasture farmland all the way to lakefront multimillion dollar homes and a bustling 50,000 plus mm-hmm. um, town. It's it's very extreme if you look at the whole county. Oh, absolutely. And as you know, we look at with the growing population, we're going to need more schools. We're not making any more land. Where's it going to go? Absolutely. Well, this is all great discussion. I definitely next segment want to talk more about CDGB. I'm CDBG. Probably, oh, I knew I would get it wrong. <laughs> and um, other ways that we can help out our residents in our community. Awesome. Thanks so much, Becca. Welcome back, and again, happy Tuesday. I'm Megan Suber, Community or Communications and Marketing Director. <laughs> I almost said your title, Becca, for the town switch. of Morseville. We can switch. We're going to switch cheese. Um, and with me today, I have our actual community development planner, Becca Vlyke, and we've been talking about um, developing our community. We've been talking about affordable housing. We've mm-hmm. been talking about planning for our community, and we um, just kind of previewed CDBG. I nailed got, it. I got it right you this time. It. And why Mooresville and is a CDBG community and what that means for Mooresville. Yes, absolutely. So with the 2020 census, Mooresville became what's called the CDBG entitlement community. So the federal CDBG is a HUD program. The federal government has requirements that you can once you hit a certain population threshold, you can become entitled, which means if you agree to take these funds, you get an annual allotment of this money in perpetuity, essentially. Mm -hmm. If you are not large enough, you can apply for grants on an annual basis that you may or may not receive. Um, But with the census, we hit over 50,000. And so we became a CDBG entitled community and our elected officials decided to uh, accept the money in perpetuity so that we can help develop more affordable housing. It's very exciting. So basically, um, because of our size and because of the great work that is done at the town and the board being receptive of this, we will now receive money annually, yes. regardless. Mm-hmm. And so this year is our first allotment, and we are getting $222,398, That is specific. oddly specific. It's, yeah, it's based on an algorithm. Um, and so the great thing about the CDBG funds is that, yes, it can be used for affordable housing, and that's what we want to do with it. But it is the most lenient, if you will, program that HUD has. And so it can be used for job training, job development, infrastructure, supporting seniors. I mean, it could be a whole, it takes community development to a whole new level. So you're not looking at necessarily just providing housing or upfitting housing. You're looking at how can we 
um, address this somewhat systemic problem yes. in increasing um, education, increasing skill sets. Mm-hmm. And then also on the other side of that, how can we address needs that, like we were talking about earlier with the gap where we have all these public servants who can't necessarily afford to live in the town that they serve? Exactly. And so for this year, we are supporting two different community organizations. The Mm -hmm. first is United Way of Iredell County with our CDBG funds. They have created the Mooresville Housing Repair Fund. And Mm -hmm. so they are going to be providing critical home repairs um, to income eligible individuals with the CDBG funds. And then we are supporting FEDNC Mm -hmm. and their their workforce program. And so we're going to be supporting job training and job development as well with these funds. So an important thing to note, Becca, I feel like is that it may sound like we receive this money and we're just passing it off to other people, which on the surface, yes, but we are providing funds for these um, organizations that administer these programs and they're are the experts at administering these programs because the town of Mooresville doesn't want to get into job training and skill set like Mm -hmm. FeedNC does. Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily want to get into um, home repair like United Way may have the the experts available to do that. We are here to facilitate and put the money in the hands Mm -hmm. of people who can um, take that and um, get action items accomplished in our community. Oh, absolutely. The town is very aware that we are not housing, we're not building experts, we're not workforce development expert, experts. Unless you're talking that. to Tommy Rowland's department, then That's we are everyone, building the, experts. Yeah, that is a very good point, yes. <laughs> but when, it, you know, we we do not, I am a department of one, we do, we do not have the manpower to do everything. Mm-hmm. And so through the CDBG entitlement process, we went, reached out to the community and said, what do you Mooresville citizens think we need to be doing? How should we be spending this money? And housing repair hit top of the list. And so we said, okay, who, who can do this? Who can help us? And United Way of Iredell County stepped up and said, we will create this program. And it's actually really amazing because this one application that they put in for this grant has turned into a countywide initiative. Oh, um, that's fabulous. Where they're trying to get Statesville and Iredell County and all municipalities in the county together, along with nonprofit partners, and seeing how we can expand this program. Now, granted, the CDBG dollars will be has to be spent and will be spent within the corporate limits of the town of Mooresville. Sure. But it sparked this bigger conversation of housing is an issue everywhere. And so now they're creating these countywide initiatives, which is really exciting. That is really amazing. It's it's great to see the impact that your department of one has, not only within the town, but also within the county. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was talking about when you asked about the thing that I love about working for the town. Like mm-hmm. I truly have resources. We ha- the town has resources at their fingertips that can be utilized to get really good work done, you know. And mm-hmm. so it's really exciting to see to see work being done and, and the dollars being spent in a way that'll really help people. Well, we've hit a lot here about affordable housing and how we're going to make our community a better place mm-hmm. for people to live and work and play. Any other thoughts? Oh goodness, any other thoughts? About like community development as a whole? Because that's a really big question. It's a very, very big question. I think it's a really exciting time to be in Mooresville, to be associated with Mooresville, Mm -hmm. to be in Mooresville, to work in Mooresville, all that good stuff. Because we have a lot, we have elected officials behind us that really, truly care. 
and are working very hard, working very diligently to make sure that those who work here can live here. And I think it's really exciting. And, you know, the community development program for the town is relatively new. I mean, I've been in this position for about two years. And even though we had someone doing it part time before me, I'm the first full time person dedicated to this yeah. for the town. And so the fact that they created a full time position shows that they care and we're really starting to build and grow this program that I think is going to make a huge impact, not just on Mooresville, but like, you know, talking about the CDBG funds and now United Way of Ardell County is doing countywide initiatives. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're hoping that it's sparking a greater conversation across Iredell County as well. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's really important for communities, not only to, you know, create great things within your community, but also look to other communities that may be nearby, maybe a similar size, maybe like similar demographic, see what they're doing and say, how can we take the lessons from this initiative or this project and apply it to our own community to meet a need, whether that is just copy and paste or whether it is change a little bit to meet the needs of your area. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know that is something that our um, Board of Commissioners does try to do um, every year. Um, this year was a little bit of an off year, but uh, the past two years, they have gone as a part of the fall retreat to another community that is a either a similar size, similar demographic, like I said, mm -hmm. regionally, uh, that excels in one thing that they have discussed uh, being a priority. So, for example, a couple of years ago, they went down to Greenville, South Carolina to look at public art because public art was expressed as a priority. Mm -hmm. um, so spent a couple of days down there talking with their experts, talking with how they got their public art program off the ground and learned um, a lot of things, got to see a lot of things, and then brought back a lot of perspective. And from that... We now have a public arts committee mm -hmm. that has brought so much, so many different art um, installations into downtown as part oh, of the 150th yes. year um, and is continuing to grow and expand and um, looking to get public art out into not only our downtown, but our parks out in the 28117. Mm -hmm. So it's all about learning from other communities. Um, I know that Cary was the place that we visited last year, looking about the Cary way. How do you create a culture within your your town, both internally and externally with the residents and visitors, that this is the way that we do things yeah. in Cary. This is the way that we do things in Mooresville. What can we learn from that? What can we learn about uh, a baseball stadium, yes. which we visited there? So many great things to glean from other communities because as um, local government, you know, sometimes we feel like we're on our own little island. Mm-hmm. But we are absolutely not in this alone. Exactly. There are so many others out there um, that you can learn from, grow from, and take ideas from. Oh, absolutely. I mean, our problems are not unique. Everyone is dealing with these. So, yeah, and Greenville actually has an amazing affordable housing program as well. And so that was also part of that trip was learning about their affordable housing initiatives as well. So that it's it's truly exciting. The elected officials are really trying to figure out the best practices for affordable housing, community development, all of that good stuff. And I think that's something um, interesting that ties on to this. Um, I know I noted when uh, David and Will were here with me a couple weeks ago is that um, a lot of the things that may occur at local government, particularly in the planning and community development part yes. department, it seems like, but a lot of the things, they are not like overnight. 
no. fixes. They are long-range plans. Mm-hmm. They are going to Greenville two-plus years ago, learning about affordable housing, um, getting this CDBG grant um, in the interim, you know, strengthening your position and role in the town, and then creating this working group so that we can better serve our community. This is something that takes a long time mm-hmm. because you want to consider all options, opportunities, get input from the community. You want to make sure you're doing it right and not Absolutely. just, um, to use a, another town example, laying down a road, laying down asphalt in the road, only to six months later have to rip up that brand new road because the water pipe that runs underneath it is old and needs to be replaced. Exactly. You've got to think about a lot of factors and a lot of things going on. Absolutely. And then, of course, when dealing with the federal government, I mean, to become a CDBG entitled community, it was an eight-month process just to hit that entitlement status. So, yeah, these things take time. But now that we've got them, we're really dedicated to running fast and hard and doing the best we can to provide the best service we can. Awesome. Well, Becca, I know that Community development is not necessarily all that you are in charge of. It is you, not. Have, you have some some less fun areas of your, <laughs> your purvey, um, including co-compliance. So when we come back, maybe we'll touch on that a little bit and then also hit upcoming events within the town. Sounds great. Stay tuned, everyone. to the Hauntown Hour. This show is just flying through on the Tuesday. Clearly, the universe wants us to get back out into that lovely weather, Becca. Yes. So that voice that you hear is Becca Black, our community development planner with the town of Mooresville. And we have been going over all things community development, planning with the town, affordable housing, Mm -hmm. CDBG. I'm going to get that in so many times before this, this segment closes. But let's talk for a second about something that generally doesn't make people happy in the community, but is a very important part of our community in any community, and that is code compliance. Yes. And code compliance actually fits perfectly in with community development because I know people get frustrated by it, but it it does help people. So our ordinances are put in place to protect the health and safety of the town residents. So yes, it's annoying that we tell you to cut your grass, but your tall grass could also be providing room for snakes and vermin and, you know, things that we don't want around. And something else that we talk, don't talk about as much with code compliance is our minimum housing standards. Sure. So there, the state, state statute designates basically minimum, what's the word I'm looking for, conditions that a mm-hmm. rental has to be. Like a person has the right to live in a heated safe, um, you know, a rental. So when those, when that's not happening, we get called in and we do inspections and we have a code um, that really, that forces landlords to treat their tenants with respect. And dignity. Yes, exactly. And so that's probably the happiest. That's the one that makes everyone happy. Um, Because everyone wants to live in a a safe place, a place that they don't have to worry about their foot um, going through the floor whenever they put their foot down. and um, Has running water, you know, all of that good stuff. 
So code compliance is, is a part of that. Yes. And that that code, um, correct me if I'm wrong, that is not only like town codes and regulations that we may have on the local level, but it's also state regulations, mm-hmm. things that we don't control and are the bare minimum, just like our building permitting inspections department. This is the bare minimum. Exactly. And we we have to enforce the bare minimum. We want so much more. Absolutely. But we have to make sure that our residents... Um, receive that bare standard, bare minimum standard. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's things like they have to have heat. They're not required to give air conditioning, but they have to have heat. They have to have running water. They have to have drinkable water. Um, there can't be massive holes in the floor, and the windows have to be able to open. I mean, just simple things like that that you would be amazed mm-hmm. that so many people are living without. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the issue with the housing market, you know, with it being so high, these people are living in these dilapidated, unsafe, unhealthy residences, yes. but they can't afford anything else. And so it is imperative that we invest these dollars into providing affordable housing because we need to get people in safe, healthy housing. Absolutely. Absolutely. The individuals in our community um, in this day and age shouldn't be in situations where their house is making them sick. No. It should not be. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, that's, like you said, that's the happy part of that's co-compliance. That's the good part. Yes, that's the good part. <laughs> that is the feel-good part of co-compliance. But co-compliance also um, helps us keep in check our other codes and regulations that we have with the town. You mentioned, like, the tall grass. Like the, um, I'm, I know I'm going to get the verbiage wrong here, but, like, the dilapidated vehicles Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Outside of residences that are sitting on cinder blocks and clearly not going anywhere. Yeah, not going anywhere. Um, like noise ordinances in some cases and other things for the health and safety of our community. Yes. So our code compliance officers enforce the nuisance code, the mm-hmm. minimum housing code, and then our zoning ordinance. So one correction to your statement is the police department handles noise. So... <sighs> Ah, Just very that good. Out there for Don't call clear. code compliance do for not, that one. Do not call my people for, for noise. That's clearly a PD issue. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, regulations, if someone builds, puts in a storage shed in their backyard when they didn't get a permit for it, we would enforce that. Or if Like a three-story she shed, that would be a problem. That, that would be a huge problem. You would have to get a permit for that. Yeah, make sure you're following the regulations. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it handles commercial commercial businesses like are they did they submit the correct plans to make sure that they have the right number of parking spaces and all of that good stuff so our code compliance officers have to know an extreme amount um, mm-hmm. across multiple different plans and regulations and because they enforce a lot everything but noise basically <laughs> everything but noise and I know too from um, from listening to what your department does um, I know you've mentioned that Having the the health and safety features, like having the correct number of parking spaces, correct number of handicap accessible spaces, if this is a public setting, um, it it also can include some environmental things too. Oh sure, and you can work with other departments in conjunction with that. But um, what is the impact that this decision that this homeowner or this business has made to do X Y Z in their exterior um, property? What impact does that have on stormwater? What impact does that have on our um, our wastewater treatment systems in some cases? So there is a huge scope of what these individuals take care of. Oh, yeah. And I know right now 
town of Mooresville has two code compliance officers. So they oversee a lot. A lot. And they cover a lot of ground. Yeah, absolutely. And and so they make sure that, you know, we enforce that we have clean drinking water. Sure. And that, you know, we're not, we have the correct amount of trees and we have clean air and, you know, all of that good stuff. It's not just about, hey, your grass is too tall or, you know, don't have a bunch of junk in your yard, stuff sure. like that. I mean, really, they're, they are working to keep our residents healthy and safe. And keep our community up to a set of standards that I think we would agree we all want to have. Yes. We don't want, no one wants to have their neighbor be the rundown house with the holes in the floor and the mm-hmm. the um, no heating and air conditioning and yeah. the, the poor water. No one necessarily wants that. So having these regulations in place is not to pick on anyone. It's to keep our community at a certain standard. Oh, absolutely. That meets the vision of our town um, elected officials um, that they've expressed that meets the visions of the um, agreed upon community plan for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years Mm -hmm. so that we keep our community going in the direction that it should be going. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And in the direction that the citizens have mentioned, I mean, we don't create plans without citizen involvement. You mean Becca just doesn't come up with this? What? No, no. I mean, we, everything that we do has to have citizen input. And so our code compliance officers are enforcing regulations that the citizens believe in and what they think is important. And we, we don't take that lightly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I know that, um, as with anything, you could come up with regulations and rules that you think the community would like. But if that's not what the community wants and what the community needs, mm-hmm. it's not going to serve the community. Oh, absolutely. And so it's a mixture of the state statutes that we have no choice. We have to enforce. Have to follow. We have to follow those. And then what What do our residents, what do those we serve deem important? Mm-hmm. Well, Becca, this has been a thrilling conversation this morning. We could talk for, I'm sure, another hour or two, but we only have a few minutes left, and I do want to get to a couple of events that we have going on in Morrisville yes. this week because it's a very important week. Yes, it's a very exciting um, week. Very exciting week, very important week because um, Saturday is Veterans Day, mm-hmm. and Morrisville takes our veterans, takes our patriotism very seriously. Very seriously. Um, and so tonight we have the second of our Veterans Week events, which is Military Body Art Event. Um, at Richard's Coffee Shop, and that is an opportunity for local veterans to come and share the stories of their um, military tattoos that they've received. I think that's just so cool. It is. It is so cool because there are so many stories behind what may look like a simple body art. Mm -hmm. There are so many stories and emotions and memories behind that, and we love to have um, our veterans come out and share. And then on Thursday, we have a blood drive downtown. We also have a veterans breakfast um, for veterans and family members. That night, we have a military author's book signing and presentation, again, at Richard's Coffee Shop. And then Saturday's the big day, Glenwood Park Memorial Ceremony at 11 a.m., um, One Nation Under God Luncheon, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., and that is for veterans and a guest. And then the Veterans Day Parade at 1 p.m. downtown. Becca, have you ever taken part in that? I have not, but I'm looking forward to being there this weekend. Absolutely. And it's supposed to be a lovely day. Um, I know we have had tons of tons of sign up for, for that. So whether or not you are participating in the parade, whether or not you are just going to come out and dress in your red, red, white, and blue, wave a flag, and show respect for our veterans, um, you know, 
be there. That is a free event. Um, downtown, the streets will be closed from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. So just be aware of that if you're transversing downtown. But the parade is at 1 p.m. And then the following week, we have our Camo Up 5K, which is also downtown. Um, great opportunity to get out there and run a short little race, 3.2 miles, um, in honor of America's veterans. Very exciting time. Very exciting. And that's, I mean... Mooresville supporting Mooresville. It's amazing how our citizens engage with each other. They really do. And all of these events free, open to the public. You can find more on mooresvillenc.gov or mooresvilleveteranscelebration.com or, of course, all of our social media accounts. And then we do have a special big event coming up, Classic Christmas. Ah, yes. On December 8th. It's our final signature event for the year. And in a couple weeks, we're going to talk more about that. So uh, stay tuned on November 28th, we're going to have our classic Christmas show on the Hometown Hour, and we'll tell you all what you can expect. Well, Becca, again, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for the work that you do for affordable housing, for the residents of Mooresville, for keeping our community at the set of standards that produces a great quality of life for our residents and visitors. And thank you to your staff. Thank you to your whole department. We appreciate you. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to talk about what I love doing. So we appreciate it. Absolutely. And hopefully hopefully those fall temperatures will get back around for us. I know. I hope no more sandals. (laughs) No more sandals. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Have a great Tuesday and a great week. The new 1059 100.7 WSIC, Statesville, Mooresville, North Charlotte.